0: Good morning, and welcome to episode 843 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by our Patreon supporters and the Baseball Reference Play Index. I'm Ben Lindbergh of 538, joined not by my usual co host, Sam Miller, but by my colleague at 538, Rob Arthur. Welcome back, Rob. Hey. So, we are interrupting our team preview series today to bring you this special bonus episode because we want to talk to a player who's become a, a hero to baseball nerds this spring. His name is Cole Figueroa. He's been in the big leagues with both the Rays and the Yankees, and he's currently in Pittsburgh Pirates camp trying to add a third team to his baseball reference page. Pirates beat writer Travis Sachik recently wrote in the Tribune Review that Cole is, quote, perhaps the most mathematically gifted player in the Grapefruit League. And my girlfriend, Jesse, recently wrote in an instant message to me, quote, Cole Figueroa is everything you love. <laughs> so a few hours ago, he was standing in the batter's box facing Luis Severino, and now he is talking
1: to us. Hey, Cole. Hi. Yes, I am here. I survived uh, Mr. Severino. My <laughs> launch angle was a little off today, and I probably a little bit on the negative side, so I grounded out to first base, and now I'm here <laughs> talking to you. So one way that
0: (laughs) non-professional athletes like me and Rob maintain our self-esteem while watching baseball players is by telling ourselves that while, yes, we may not be as big or as fast or as coordinated as those guys, we're probably better at doing math or writing computer code or analyzing advanced baseball stats. And now you come along and leave us nothing to cling to. You've already got the glamorous career. Can't you just let us have the stuff that that doesn't help get you dates or potentially make millions of dollars?
1: <laughs> well, uh, I, I think uh, I need to clarify this in a, a little bit. Um, in this particular instance, you're actually talking to an undersized, undertooled, um, somewhat of a thinking player. So I wouldn't take it as badly <laughs> as you're taking it right now. I think it's <laughs> look at me as maybe one of your own that happens to have very good hand-eye coordination.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good point. I think you and I are actually the same size, but only one of us would be described as undersized because no one expects writers to have a certain size. That makes me feel a little bit better. All right. Yeah. So it's becoming more and more common for players to pay attention to data, but it's still rare to hear a player discuss statistics and physics with the depth of understanding that you do, maybe because you know being one of the best baseball players in the world doesn't leave a lot of time for reading books about programming. So. How did you get to the point where you're buying a book called Analyzing Baseball Data with R, which is written by a former baseball prospectus author and telling your teammates about optimal swing paths?
1: Right. So I think it's, I think it's important to start maybe the genesis is uh, when I was younger. And any, as any baseball player is, I mean, you are obviously moved to statistics because of averages on base percentage. I mean, the whole game is built on statistics. So I guess we can start there at a young age. I just happen to be a little more curious maybe than most. And then as I built uh, an understanding of some of these uh, formulas or algorithms, uh, when I aged, I just happened to apply them to some of the things that uh, I enjoy doing. Computer coding hasn't always been something that's been in my life. It's something I picked up a little later. But it's something that is a, a hobby to me. I find it fun. I find it fascinating. And like baseball, there's a lot of failure. And I think for some odd and apparent reason, I just like to fail a ton. And I, the red syntax error seems to be my best friend at times. So, <laughs> yeah. So, the, I mean, it just it, 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 it's something that just grabbed me and then I kind of just took it and ran with it. And I, I, I don't want to come off as some professional programmer, if, if that's such a term, um, I didn't go to school for this. I was self-taught. It's something I spent a lot of time, uh, a lot of effort trying to understand and still trying to understand. And I, I think anyone could appreciate you know, the curiosity just from my part. But also, I appreciate the time and effort. It made me appreciate the time and effort other people put into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as I progressed, obviously, I, I got traded to one of the most uh, anically inclined teams, the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, they kind of uh, feed you that a little bit. They don't give you the whole, they call it the matrix, is their system of uh, data analytics. It's kind of the uh, brains of the operations. They don't really let you dive into that, but they give you little bits and pieces, enough to uh, where it leaves you a little uh, thirstier. And uh, I needed my uh, quench, so I decided to kind of do it on my own. And I would uh, discuss it with uh, Andrew Friedman and, um, and some of the analytics department that were there at the time. So that's just kind of where it built up to, to where it is now. And it's, like I said, it's a great hobby of mine. It gets me away from the game, which kind of is counterintuitive because it's kind of the game, but it's just something that I enjoy doing. So you have been not only with the Rays, but really with
0: three very analytically oriented teams, whether by coincidence or not. So, and of course the, the Pirates are among those and right. Mike Fitzgerald is a, a sort of a stat head who is with the team and travels with the team on the road. So mm-hmm. are you just trying to satisfy your own curiosity about these things when you are talking <sighs> to these guys or, or are you actually trying to improve yourself as a player?
1: Well, I think it's a little of both. I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, Obviously, the curiosity is there, but as as a player, you're looking for any edge, and especially as a player that is typically your 22nd through 25th man on the roster. um, You're looking for anything you can get. Obviously, as a player, too, you have to understand it is a team game, but I think the biggest thing people miss is there is, as a baseball player, a lot of selfishness. It just comes with the territory and pretty much anything you do in life. If you wanted to be successful, there is some selfishness that comes with it. And I think that's where the disconnect is. And I'm sure we'll get into this later, but I just want to kind of lay the groundwork. Uh, the, The big disconnect that we have today between maybe the analytics we see on TV and the analytics we get and the analytics maybe players want to see.
2: So I was just curious, do you ever see yourself uh, getting into the analytics more as a full-time job down the line, either in terms of a front office position or as a writer? I mean, they're they're looking for people like you who have some experience in baseball and also have some interest in this and, and have your skill set.
1: Right. Well, in terms of future uh, jobs, I, I don't ever think of it like that. It's like I said, it's something for me to do. It's fun. If there was something in the future that interests me that was kind of a a mold, like you said, a writer or working in a front office or something, and and at that time and wherever I'll be in life, if that interests me, maybe I will look into it. But really, uh, as of right now, it's just kind of a hobby. Um, I don't foresee myself doing it future because there are a lot of people that are a lot better programmers understanding the analytics portion of it, but really I think where my niche is, is maybe communicating it to players uh, slightly better. I know the article mentioned uh, one situation where that came into effect, but I, I would like to make it so it's digestible for players because at this point, it's very hard for players to digest the information they're given. And it's not, it's not that they're not open-minded. Uh, a lot of players are open-minded and you're starting to see it more and more with the uh, activity picking up on Twitter. You can see players interested in analytics Obviously, there's a lot of monetary value in it when it comes to free agent contracts. But I really think, in terms of where I see it going, I really think it's going to be more of a, a mechanistic, like data approach. It's going to be more if you do X, Y happens. And I know it's a failure game, and it's not always going to be exact. But that's what players are kind of looking for. It's not the uh, what does a pitcher, uh, what are the pitchers percentages for the day. It's what physically can you give me that will make me physically better at home plate, not uh, thinking more at home plate.
0: Yeah, because you do hear players talk about how they don't want too much of this information in their heads when they're in the game. So how do you balance that? I mean, how do you avoid thinking about your launch angle or whatever <laughs> it is as you're actually trying to just swing the bat?
1: Right. So I don't I don't ever really think launch angle when I'm up at the, at the plate. Right. Uh, I think uh, that would be, like you said, a little bit too much to consume. But Uh, I do evaluate, I have video, I don't, I can kind of estimate, you know, where it's coming off the bat and kind of where my launch angle is compared to uh, the offset, Um, you know, little things like that. Uh, I can see pitchers velocity, I can see downward trajectory. So in a sense, I kind of in my head can go through some steps after the fact. It's not an in game thing. It's an after game thing. Uh, But really, like I said, it's and I've talked to uh, Dr. Alan Nathan about this. And I really want to you know, I really want to mesh with him a little bit more. Um, we just kind of gone through the preliminary talks, but of some things we can actually teach players, maybe through video, maybe through just different teachings in general, that they can visually see why you're doing something rather than someone telling you this is going to happen if you do something. So what
2: information you already mentioned kind of, uh, launch angle but what other information do you find the most valuable do you study the most
1: um well uh, the the thing I'm most interested in is obviously the physics of baseball and like I keep reiterating I think it's going to help players I think that in particular is going to be the area that's going to end up players going to be more interested in because like I said it's going to be more hands-on but I also, I mean, I just I just love reading up on fangrass baseball perspectives. I, I think those those websites do a really good job of really showing you value in players that typically you wouldn't think there would be value. I mean, I think there was a lot of not outrage, but a lot of outspokenness about Jason Hayward this offseason and his contract, and a lot of players are just, just mind just blown because of the the dollars put into him. But when you really look at it, it is almost like an even contract. It's almost like Jason Hayward and the team had just a good good of a deal together than it was one side over the other. And I think that uh, once players start realizing that, that it can hurt them financially or help them financially, I think uh, this offseason was big in that, in that particular instance. And offseasons to come will be big in that. And they will start changing and uh, evolving and maybe getting into more of the analytics based stuff.
0: And do your stats over the last couple seasons, would they look any different in in any way if you hadn't gone to the Rays and discovered baseball analysis and, and developed this passion for it? I mean, are there concrete ways in which you have become a better player or a, a different player because of it?
1: Right. So, the, the, I'd say the biggest difference in uh, the way I play is I noticed early in my career, my professional career, that uh, I am a guy with very low power. The ISO is ve- the ISO is very down, and I knew that having that i need to maybe emphasize something more than the other and that's when i picked up on babbitt and my contact rate i've always had a a, a pretty stable babbitt always had a very very good contact rate more so than most and i think that was the part i wanted to exploit more so than the other now where you have to be at least for myself where you have to be aware of is that you don't want to make contact just to make contact. It's it's not something that I go up there just to do on first pitch. But it, when I have two strikes and I know that it's in my favor to put the ball in play because of the lack of power. Now, if you're talking about maybe Mike Trout or someone of a lot more power than me, it doesn't make any sense for him to do this. But just giving my chance and hoping that you know the odds are with me, right? it's kind of the... Uh, the what's the uh, movie the odds are ever in your favor the hunger games that's kind Mm -hmm. of what i go up there looking at is like i'm gonna put myself in the in the most optimal chance of at least giving myself a chance because i know no matter even if i make uh the best contact i possibly can i know that my exit velocity isn't going to be enough to hit it out of center field in the air or opposite field in the air it would have to be uh very much so on the pool side and i think too when i go up to the plate the way my swing plane is, I look to drive the ball slightly over the first, like I don't try to pop things up over the first baseman in BP. I try to hit line drives because it's been shown that that angle right over the first baseman with my velocity and my contact rate is probably the most optimal place for me to get extra base hits. So I really try to work on that.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about how you chose the Pirates. I'm sure you had multiple teams that you could have gone to camp with this spring. And We tend to think of players, you know, the top free agents available are not making decisions based on playing time and potential openings. They're just making decisions based on, you know, differences of $10 million or something. So I'm curious about how much thought, how much analysis went into picking the Pirates this spring. And then also, you know, historically, sabermetricians have sort of dismissed spring training and spring training performance and stats. And that's maybe changing a little bit, but often there's a tendency to just sort of write off what happens this month because, you know, the differences in the quality of competition and the small samples and all the rest. And your job depends on a small sample right now. You know, how you perform in this month, even if it's a small sample is going to dictate, you know, how you spend the season. So how did you approach picking a team this offseason and and how are you approaching spring training?
1: So as I don't know how aware or how knowledgeable you guys are of the vast wasteland of minor league free agency is, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, it is it is just that I mean, it is really your agent, they send out somewhat of a, uh, a mass email saying you're available and then teams come back and it's kind of this give and take, uh, you end up getting in my personal experience, I got seven or eight teams contact me back. So there was some bargaining power. But really, you just never know. I've ha- I've been in situations where um, I've talked to GMs and they're telling me, hey, this, this is your job to lose. And I go into camp and I'm hitting in the fourth group on the second field, which if anyone doesn't know what that means, it's not a good thing. If you're not hitting on the main field during BP, it, you're probably not making the team. Uh-huh. So yeah, I've had different conversations. And as for like the actual process, I looked at their roster. I saw what their, I, I was looking to see what their needs were. I saw that Neil Huntington said that they were looking to go in a little bit of an on base direction and a little bit less strikeout direction. I was just thinking those two phrases are exactly the kind of player that I am. And I was like, man, what a fit that would be. And luckily they were one of the teams that contacted me. And I also, and it's funny that you use the uh, the sample size suggestion, I said that when discussing with them, like I was like, I know this probably comes off as kind of weird, but I don't know if anyone's talked to you or minor league free agents have talked to you about sample sizes. Uh, I just would like for you guys to judge me on my work rate in spring training, what you see, my actions, the velocity off the bat. I know you're not going to be able to particularly get that, but you can see that in BP. Um, And also what I've done in the past, I think that's the most important things is like you say, teams get wrapped up in this this month, for better or worse, and um, you end up missing out on some players that probably could end up helping your ball club. And that's basically how I chose the Pirates is I kind of weaned my way in telling them, please don't look at sample sizes. And now that I'm doing well in spring training, I'm like, please look at sample sizes. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting. Um,
2: so it sounded like from, from an article that we read that uh, you do sometimes share some of your sabermetrics Metrics know-how with other players. And they certainly get some information from front offices as well. Do you see a lot of pushback from other players to sabermetrics, do you, like a lot of resistance, and what do you think that comes from?
1: Right, so in terms of players, and I, I kind of briefly discuss this a little bit, in terms of players, there are a lot of open-minded players. They really want to know things in their certain areas analytically. There are players that don't want anything to do with analytics. They, they totally say it's a wash. There's nothing there for me. I've been doing it like this my whole life. There's no reason to evolve. And you know what? I, I, I can understand on that level just knowing that there is kind of a fear factor involved because you really, if you don't know something, it's, let's just put it this way. If someone were to tell you or your class, let's say we ask a class of 30 kids who are in, I don't know, seventh grade. We ask them, um, what do you think of math? Probably a large majority of them would say, Ugh, math, really? That's my least favorite subject. And you just you think to yourself, okay, well, we put in a group of guys like this, a big group of guys like this, and we ask them, what do we think of math and logic and analytics? And what do you think the answer is going to be? Especially guys that have been driven their whole career on strength and showing brawn. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, please, let's have another. It's just it's just not something that is palatable to them. So I think that's the biggest disconnect is that there is your analytics group and then you have your ball players and there's really no middleman. There's no – and teams do try. I mean you, you're starting to see bench coaches or you're starting to see hitting coaches start to incorporate it a little bit more. But to the extent the front office may or may not want it, I don't know how that's you know going over. But that's like I said, that maybe that's something in the future I would be interested in, because you have to come down on a soft landing. Because if you just throw everything at them, it just it it's that overload, and they just don't want anything to do with it.
2: Um, So some of the biggest uh, sort of disagreements between players and the sabermetric consensus are like things like hot streaks and lineup protection, things like that. And so I'm wondering like. Are there any of those topics that you particularly disagree with, with the kind of serometric uh, body dogma, I guess? Uh, And and (laughs) how how do you think about that?
1: Well, I, I think the one disconnect that I can see sometimes is that... We as ball players, we see the day to day activities of our fellow teammates and of the other team. So there are instinctual things, and I I know this is the last word that sabermetricians want me to use is instinctual, but there are, it's just natural. It just, there's instinctual things you see on the field that you just, like let's say someone uh, hurts their hand during BP, and you know that his bat speed isn't going to be the same because you heard it from the visiting clubby. Uh, he's not getting around on a fastball a little bit more. Percentages say you should play here, but you know that day that this particular person isn't at his peak performance, and I and I think that's some of the things we miss. In the analytics department, is that these people, uh, you know, they're they're human. They, you know, they have bad days. They get hurt. Things aren't going right. They're mechanically not sound, and the percentages don't favor that particular instance that day. So, I would just like to see maybe a little less pushback on maybe um, positioning. I know it's very important, and I'm and I'm a hundred percent down with it when the information is in a vacuum and it's not maybe someone is injured or someone has uh, had a a family member that's sick or something. I just think there are other things that uh, we can think of when that is going on.
0: And I know that one of the things you've worked on this spring is demonstrating your positional versatility, and you've played a bunch of positions in the past. It seems like you've added even more to your repertoire. What are the potential difficulties of doing that that maybe are, are hard to see from the outside? In other words, you know, we always talk about Ben Zobrist or or the late Tony Phillips who was sort of Zobrist before Zobrist and right. is it difficult is there an added difficulty to switching positions like that from game to game does it make it more difficult and secondly are there more guys who are capable of doing that do you think than are actually doing that you know do guys get locked into whatever position they were playing in college or in their first year in the minors or whatever it is and teams don't exploit their ability to to play positions that they actually could play
1: right so i think there's a few things involved in switching positions for myself it's very dependent on the person it's it's kind of a want to it's uh it's do you want to take the extra time and effort to become this player it's so heralded in the major leagues to be an everyday blank position you know what i'm saying it's It's almost like a badge of honor when you can go out and say, hey, I'm the everyday shortstop or hey, I'm the everyday center fielder. And when someone asks you, hey, what do you do? And you're like, hey, I'm the everyday utility man. It doesn't really have that same ring. And it's kind of, it kind of puts the player feeling like he's not as worthwhile as maybe other players, which in reality is totally false. And and you brought up some good points, Ben Zobris uh, being one of them, that his versatility has actually made him more valuable. But it's still, it's like I said, it's that mindset of do you want to do this? And I think for me, I'm very open-minded. Obviously, I'm in a situation that I need to be open-minded. I think if I wasn't, uh, I would have a very hard time putting the team in a box. I don't think they would enjoy that too much. And if I told them, Hey, I think I'm the everyday second baseman or shortstop, or let's even say center fielder. I think Andrew McCutcheon needs to move over to right. I don't think they would look at me too keenly.
0: (laughs) Right. And teams are carrying so many pitchers these days that, you know, to, to deserve a spot on the bench, you almost have to play all the other positions. It seems like, because there just isn't enough room to carry an extra outfielder and an extra infielder and a pinch hitter. You, you kind of have to be all those things.
1: Right. We're seeing the game move to more of a a specialized inning by inning and and probably sooner rather than later. We're going to see pitchers getting out in the third and fourth inning. I mean, I just think it's ultimately going to get to that point because of the freshness and the the bullpen arms are just getting that much better and there's starting to be a lot more around. But yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that uh, versatility is becoming more and more valuable. You're starting to see it a little bit more and more. And I think eventually it's going to become ubiquitous.
0: It seems like one of the areas maybe Sabermetrics hasn't fully embraced yet, but clearly is kind of the next wave is, you know, motion tracking technology, bioharnesses, all that sort of stuff. The Pirates, it seems, have been proactive with things like Zephyr and trying to prevent injuries. And then, of course, there are all sorts of swing training devices and Modus and Zep and even more advanced stuff. And I know the Pirates in spring this year have some kind of machine that allows you to practice against virtual representations of actual pitchers and their deliveries. So what direction do you see all of this stuff going? Is there Is there a concern about it becoming too invasive or do you look at it as purely upside? Uh, how, how much do you think that players will embrace this stuff and, you know, five years from now, will players just be wired up to, to all kinds of things all the time, <laughs> just, you know, training like evan drago
1: or something exactly (laughs) i like that uh so my personal opinion obviously i love anything that can create an open-mindedness or an edge to the game i love all the new technology not all of it i think is compatible but i do love trying it now that being said i think there is a very um large dialogue going on amongst the players nowadays about being careful about what we can or wouldn't want someone to use. Mm -hmm. Now, I say this because teams are providing these vehicles to help you in the game, but in reality oh you have to obviously think about what are the long term effects of this are they going to affect contracts are right. they going to affect you know arbitration hearings and i think that's where guys are really starting to get scared about and it's going to make it very hard on these companies to succeed when you have major league baseball backing you but none of the players want to use it or you're a private company and you're trying to go you know team to team and sell your product without you know, the permission or the willing of Major League Baseball. I just think there's a disconnect there that will ultimately end up halting a lot of these things because players are scared. They're scared that you're going to be tracking their. I mean, the Pirates have a few things that track heart rate brain function, and they're scared that they aren't as optimal. They lose a night of sleep. They go out and they have a drink and they come in the next day and they log this information in and then you get to the off season and you're in an arbitration hearing and it comes up. It's scary.
2: Along the same lines, um, I went to the Sabre Analytics conference over the last weekend and there was a talk from a neuroscouting company called the Servo where they're measuring your brain activity while you look at a sort of a pitch FX-based game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that's sort of along what, what Ben was saying. So in some of these cases, there's this possibility that the inf- they'll be testing you, like testing your brain activity, for example. And then instead of it being used to improve you as a player, it'll be used essentially to weed you out. Like your elbow ligament is too small or your brain doesn't fire until the pitch is, you know, ten feet away and it needs to be it needs to be firing by twenty feet. So that seems like it would be really important that you know what the team is doing with your information. Do you make a conscious effort to try and figure out where you know, what the team is is actually using the your stats for?
1: So I really try hard, and I don't know if a lot of players do, but I really try hard to gain the information, just a physical copy, so I can kind of see what they're tracking, why they're tracking. They won't, obviously, they're not going to be as forthright as you'd want them to be, because they could tell you uh, this is for some experiment we're doing on hand-eye coordination, but in reality it could be something totally different. You just don't know how sincere they are in that uh, sense. As for VR... The one thing, the one caveat I would say to that would be that we need to be careful about what we think is game simulation and what is not. Um, it's very hard to duplicate the intensity in a game than it is in VR. Um, the senses heighten, you obviously testosterone boost, and it's just something that you just can't do while you're playing a game. Um, it's very hard to do, and the mindset, you, you're calculating a lot of things. When I'm up at bat, uh, certain counts, I'm calculating you know, percentages of what he likes to throw, what he doesn't like to throw. These things are going through my mind, and I just don't think I would have the same intent or the same focus level on a VR or a gaming system. Uh, so anyone that tells me uh, or has the opinion of like this is the actual game happening, I have a real high, hard time buying into that. And I read in those articles
0: about how, you know, you've conducted your own studies on aging curves and how certain skills hold up over time. Are there any major takeaways that you have had from that that apply to your own career or, you know, that you haven't necessarily seen in some of the research that's been published online?
1: Right. So uh, when I did that, um, I, you know, I got a set of five or six major league players and obviously I'm using minor league stats. So the computation is obviously going to be a little skewed and there are some constraints that are a little different. But yeah, so basically I'm just trying to keep as much information as possible to me when I'm going up to the plate as possible. And if it is the contact rate, and I have nothing definitive, it's just something that I looked into. But I I feel like contact rate and hand-eye coordination is something that ages very well. And, and it also depends on the player, too. Some players, uh, the dip, the plateau and the dip are really strong, but those are typically more of your power hitters. You see strikeouts go up, walk rates go down, um, and you see the age hit them a lot harder than it does a guy who's less power, more contact. So like I said, nothing definitive, but I do think that there's more into the contact rate and the strikeout rate than maybe analytics has dove into. I think there's something there to be said.
0: And when you're doing this analysis in, in R or Python or whatever, are you using data sets that were provided by your team or are you using the same sort of publicly accessible stuff? Yeah,
1: publicly accessible stuff or anything that I can get my hands on. I mean, mm-hmm. I've even been uh, on the laptop for hours just digging up stats on baseball reference. I mean, it's it's laborious because I don't have some of the, some of the data that I would need for some of the things that I want to do. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a little easier with R. The community is really giving. Obviously, um, GitHub is a very nice place where you can go and kind of see what other people have done, uh, made a, repo- a repository on there. So I don't actually contribute to the community as much as I'd like to, but I'd, <laughs> I'd like to think that I, I take away a lot, and I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> you're making the community cooler, so that's your contribution.
1: <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Is there any
0: question that you're looking forward to being able to answer with the advent of StatCast? and? All this motion tracking technology—is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to that hasn't been easy to reveal up till now?
1: Oh, of course. I think that's my main thing. That's the uh, the thing that I'm most focused on is where can we go from now? Or is teaching going to go in a different direction? Are we going to be able to? And this is to the detriment of myself, but are we able to? Are we going to be able to get more athletes into the game because the teaching of the swing path? Or the teaching of a ground ball and the throwing angle of, let's say, a ground ball in the six hole, and your throwing angle and your launch angle are at one point, and we need you to be optimal at this point. I think those are things that StatCast can show you. They can show you the velocity at which the ball is thrown. Um, so I think once we get more data in that area and we start seeing more of a, a push towards uh, getting closer to the most optimal ranges. Uh, I think the game will end up getting better.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, you know, how, how in the dark is the typical player during spring training? Is it just, you know, you show up and you hope that you don't get cut and from day to day, <laughs> day you you know nothing more than anyone else does other than... Your stats are, hey, you know, how much boy. feedback do you get? You from, guys are killing me with this. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> how, oh, how much man. feedback do you get from day to day on, you know, how close you are to getting that spot that you're you're you trying for? You
1: are 100% in the dark. I mean, uh-huh. you, I, the, only things that, the only things are that you can pick up on are, like I was explaining earlier, you can see your hitting groups. You can see your workout groups. You can see um, uh, the lineup. Are you starting a lot? Are you coming in a lot? are they uh, giving you off days Uh, these are the things that players pick up on Um, if you go to a team and you're on every second tier team there they have every second tier work group and you're coming into every single game and uh, maybe there are days you don't even play uh, it typically doesn't bode well for you it's not a it's not a a an indictment on your playing it's just something that maybe they've got a team picked out and they just want to stick with what they have and you need to prove yourself at the AAA level and i've been that guy numerous times i've been in uh four big league spring trainings and i've gotten tapped on the shoulder every single time and the tap on the shoulder is the uh, metaphorical you're getting cut They actually, they literally come tap on your shoulder and say, Hey, meet us in your, uh, the manager's office. And then they go and they cut you down to the minor league system. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, but but they, the communication is very minimal. Uh, you just play and really you just hope every week right before uh, you pick up your uh, cash, they give you like a little envelope of cash every Monday, so you hope before every Monday you're not that guy that you go up to the traveling secretary and they go, uh, "Sorry, we don't have an envelope for you today." Uh-huh, right. That's basically how it works. All
0: right, and and lastly, I you know I've, when I'm not reading baseball blogs, I'm often reading astronomy blogs and nerding out that way. And and I've seen you tweeting about gravitational waves and escape velocities, and you're wearing a SpaceX t-shirt right now. What is your interest in in that area?
1: I think that's kind of my new interest. Um, my wife's family, they, if you want to talk about nerding out, I mean they are. Oof, we have mechanical <laughs> engineers, we have cancer researchers. Her brother is an astrophysicist, and I think that's where some of my interest came in. He, uh, he actually works in Germany um, right now, and he travels the world, just you know, going from place to place, and that's his his scope of expertise. So, um, yeah, it's it's something I'm very interested in. Obviously, my knowledge on that is probably not where I want it to be, but I think it's so fascinating. I mean something that Einstein predicted to happen happening, you know, so many years later. And now that we know the two black holes merge, and they send out these waves. I mean, it's just, it's incredible that Mm -hmm. people can think of this and the creativity it takes and not just the creativity, but uh, the mathematical aptitude. I mean, when you think of Newton, you think of a man who possibly came out with the greatest math book ever at age 27. And when I'm, you know, I'm 28 now, and I'm thinking to myself, what have I done? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, you know, I mean, obviously I, you know I play a game, but made the major is, leagues right it's not so bad. my my compu- <laughs> my contribution to this world seems minimal after that. <laughs> so we
2: got some time yet.
0: yeah,
1: oh, uh, yeah, well, thank you, thank you. i I have some time to catch up to Newton. only the greatest probably mine ever. <laughs> thank you for. that.
0: <laughs> well, you've made a contribution to this podcast. I could keep going. I haven't even asked you about your love of peanuts, the greatest of all comic strips, or your love of dachshunds, the greatest of all dog breeds. Our interests are eerily similar, but I will save that stuff for the sequel.
1: Oh man, we are really, we are really getting into this. I, you know, it's 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 funny because you don't actually know uh, the research behind it because uh, Stephen Nesbit, the guy who wrote the original ar- article before Travis, actually uh, went more in depth mm-hmm. um, with it. Uh, he actually the reason this all happened was one day he came in and he's like, Hey man, I was looking at your Twitter yesterday and I saw that you, you know, you know, 50 digits of pie. Like why right. do you know 50 digits? Of, I'm like thinking to myself, hold on, how do you know I know 50 digits of pie? And I was like, Oh yeah, I tweeted that out almost two years ago or a year and a half ago. So you must've sitting there just scrolling through my Twitter line and you come across this and I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Like, this, I mean, this is just some of the stuff that runs, I run into from day to day, but you know, I, I gladly, uh, he put me on the spot too. And it was like (laughs) one of those things, like if, It'll never go away, but it's just one of those things when people are like, "Hey, can you do this right now for me so I can actually write about it?" And if yeah. you can't, then you're just an idiot and you say you can do it. No, I'm not an idiot. It's my great term, but you know what I'm saying. You just look bad. So I'm sitting there doing it, blah blah blah, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, this is actually happening!" Oh man, I'm glad I did that Twitter uh, report last night. So it just stuff like that happens all the time to me for some reason.
0: Yeah, I thought about asking you to do that, but I, I figured reciting pi wouldn't be great on a podcast. So I will. no,
1: no, it it doesn't. I, I don't think audio is the greatest place for it and you know who knows i could be cheating i could be looking around or something people wouldn't believe me anyway so every time someone comes up and it's funny since steven wrote that article i've probably had to recite it at least seven or eight times in the past (laughs) week and i probably recited it maybe three times seven years prior to that so
0: Uh (laughs) there it is well we won't make you do it again Uh, (laughs) i will Cut this short before we totally cross into Chris Farley, Paul McCartney territory, but it's been a pleasure (laughs) to to talk to you. I I know Joe Madden once said that he really likes your mind, and uh, I think a lot of people on the internet probably feel the same way. We uh, wish you the best with the Pirates and anywhere else that you play, and hope that you uh, are known to many more people in the near future.
1: Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a a fun experience, and I always, you know, it's not... uh, it's not the same conversations that I'm having in the clubhouse, but hopefully one day that we can get to that point where we can all come as like a, a big community and really sit down and have these conversations.
0: All right. Well, thanks again. Hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime and people can follow Cole on Twitter at Cole underscore Figueroa and watch him play baseball with Pirates. All right. Appreciate it. All right. That's it for today. Thank you to Cole Figueroa, who can't be your new favorite player because he was my new favorite player first. So hands off. Thanks also to Rob Arthur. You can find Rob at five thirty eight and elsewhere and on Twitter at NoLittlePlans with underscores between those words. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. You can email us at, at baseballperspectus.com or message us through Patreon. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes and join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectivelywild. You can also get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription to the Baseball Reference Play Index if you use the coupon code BP. You can buy our book. It's called The Only Rule Is It Has to Work, and it comes out on May 3rd. It's the story of how Sam Miller and I ran the baseball operations department for an independent league team, the Sonoma Stompers, last summer, and tried to put together a whole team full of Cole Figueroas. Today's five Patreon supporters in the spotlight, Aaron Young, Tyler Crosby, Michael Bruffy, Ryan Gallagher, and Matthew Marsden. Thank you all. That's it for this weekend. We will be back on Monday with our preview for the Washington Nationals.
2: Ask me your and I'll give you your answer. Are you part of a-
1: a good time. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You guys kept me on my toes a little bit, so I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> I was uh, slightly nervous. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. I, mm-hmm. Like I said, I was uh, going through some, I was going through my head and I was like, is this, in the first instance I think of, I'm like, man, should I go like study for this? Like, should I, should I read, should I reread like Albert Einstein's general relativity theory and like make sure I'm up to date on all my SpaceX, uh, you know, things or whatnot?